0: Tonight, uh, if Brother—I don't know what Brother Readout's going to speak on tonight. Was going to be the priority, of the oneness. I don't know if he's going to do similar that. Similar parts of, parts of it. So, Brother Readout, to, um Brother Cliff Readout from Massachusetts.
1: Praise God. Would be all right to stand and praise the Lord. Do I have to use that? Okay. What a joy to be back with the Thorson family and the McAtees. They're very special to me. Uh, In fact, I'm I'm gonna just say it. What a family the Thorsons are. Is it, I don't know how people manage to have all their kids beautiful. I just, I don't understand it. Well, looking at Sister Thorson, that, (laughs) that gives an explanation and uh, I have such a wonderful fellowship with this family and uh, with the McAtee family. Love them very much. Those of you that I've met, uh, I probably don't remember. I have an excuse, but uh, I'm happy to be here. Really feel good about it. You know, I've accepted lots of invitations I didn't feel all that good about. (laughs) But I accepted them because I was instructed by my mentors that you serve your brethren in the way they want you to serve, how they want you to serve. But I really feel good about being here tonight. So thank you for the invitation, Pastor. Thank you for coming tonight. And uh, if you don't mind... Let's just uh, bow our heads for a moment and after we've done that, without neglecting respect for the Word of God, we'll be seated and I will read a text. We're going to be seated mostly to cover the fact that I'm going to sit down pretty quick here. Right? Lord Jesus, thank you for being our great God and Savior. Thank you for the joy we have of fellowship with you, and because of that, fellowship with your people. We're thankful, Lord, for this facility that you have graciously made possible for Cornerstone House of Prayer to own, to purchase. We're thankful for everyone you've gathered here tonight, and we're thankful for what you're going to share with us in your scriptures through the power of your Spirit. Thank you for it all, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Uh, I love to have everybody stand for the reading of the Scripture, but uh, I'm not going to get up again, so (laughs) you get a little vacation. Sister Thorson, I'm happy to see you again, too. Thank you for the use of your car. I promise I will not drive it back to Connecticut. (laughs) Even though I was tempted. On the schedule that I was sent, which as Pastor Thorson mentioned, I got his permission to ignore by the leading of the Lord. He didn't give me the privilege just to do whatever I want, but he did say that he'd be happy if I were to follow the leading of the Lord. That's a little narrow, you know. But uh, I feel impressed to start tonight with asking you to read. I'll read it aloud, but I'd like you to follow along in your scripture in Mark chapter 16. And with the help of the Lord, I will not get... It's good to see you, Judah. I just don't think, think that I didn't recognize you. I'm happy to see you, too. I didn't get a hug yet, but there's time. There's time. And you said, Chrissy's here. Where is she? Oh, there's you. Well, you know, I can almost see that far back. Yeah. Mark 16. I'm going to do my best not to get caught up. In giving you the details that are almost always overlooked in this passage. But Mark 16, let's start at verse 9. Now, when Jesus was risen, early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, And he went and she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. Uh, Just a little perspective here. Jesus was crucified on a Wednesday from noon until uh, 3 p.m. I know most don't know this, but I've got the proof In scripture. And he was buried before sundown. We can arbitrarily say that sundown was at 6 o'clock in the evening. That's arbitrary. Sometimes it's a little earlier, sometimes a little later, depending on the time of the year. This was a springtime in April, so it was getting close, sundown close to 6 p.m. on a Wednesday. The Thursday was the Passover Sabbath. By the way, did you know that in the Bible, the day begins at sundown? Not midnight, not sunup, but at sundown. So the, what we would consider our Thursday, the 14th day of the month, began at sundown, and it was a holy Sabbath, the Passover Sabbath. The next day, which started at sundown on the 14th, was the 15th day. And that was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which was also a holy convocation. The next day happened to be the seventh day of the week, the 16th day of the month. And the seventh day is also a Sabbath day. So there were three consecutive Sabbath days after the crucifixion and the Lord promised the only sign he was going to give us of his identity was that he would rise after three days and three nights and on the third day. That means night first, the first night and the first day, and then the second night and the second day, and the third night and the third day. And if you follow exactly what the scripture says, Jesus rose just before sundown began the first day of the week, Sunday. He rose on what we would consider a Saturday afternoon, 72 hours after he was buried. And those three days... Is After that, when Mary first encountered him early on the first day of the week, she went back and his disciples were still mourning and weeping. Three days have passed and they were still mourning and weeping. I think they were deeply stirred by the loss of the one they had hoped in. And that they didn't understand what he had been teaching them for three years. But they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. Now these are the guys he handpicked. And he spent the next three and a half years with them on a daily basis with them following him, and him providing everything they needed, whether they knew it or not. And after all that, after his expositions to them about what was going to happen, they still didn't understand it well enough that when the report came, I saw him, I talked to him, I didn't get to touch him, because he refused that. But he told me to come tell you. And so he's alive. They, they didn't believe it. You know, it's possible for you to hang on to your grief. So long that it obscures everything God's doing in your life. I, I, I said I wasn't going to get into that. When I'm... <laughs> After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven. As they sat at meat. And upbraided them. You know what that word upbraid means? It's chew them out. Scolded them big time. Didn't spare any of them. That's Jordan, isn't it? (laughs) He upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart. These are the guys he handpicked. This is three and a half years after they were with him, day and night. After he gave them the inside story as well as everything he gave the public. And they were still hard-hearted. There's hope for us. There's hope for us. And he upbraided them because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And here's the part of the passage I'm going to really try to bring home tonight. And he said unto them. I got to remind you. These are the goofballs. That were clueless after three and a half years. Whom he just chewed out. Because they didn't believe the testimonies of eyewitnesses. Who had hard hearts. And he said to them. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. (laughs) Boy, he's optimistic, isn't he? You know why he's optimistic? Because he knew before he ever brought the earth into existence, what he was going to do with those men. Where's the scripture found? Known unto God are all his works from the foundation of the world. So their failure to believe didn't surprise him. When when he met them, he said, I don't know how this ever happened. What are we going to do now? No, he was well prepared for it. And he knew what he was going to make out of Peter, and James, and John, Andrew, Philip, all of them. And so in spite of this terrible failure on their part, he said, Go ye into all the world and preach what? Hmm. To whom? Not every." creature that's going to believe, you don't sort it out that way. You don't determine who to preach the gospel to. You just preach it to everybody and you let God worry about the results. Are you there with me? Okay, and of course he went on and talked about, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And they talked about signs. Well, the gospel. It was not too many years ago that the Lord opened up to me a scripture that I had never applied to the definition of the gospel. Now I've had time since then to look at every place where that word gospel is used with the definite article the. That definite article, the, changes it from just good news to a specific good news. The gospel. And you all know that there are many gospels being preached. But there's only one that is the gospel. And the Lord doesn't care a bit about any of us ever preaching anything other than the gospel. And he didn't say, preach it to those you think are good candidates to receive it. He said, preach it to every creature. You I don't really know that that meant you can go out in the woods and preach to the crickets. They probably know him better than we do. <laughs> They've never been out of his will, you know. <laughs> and I wonder how they felt about that when the fish hook went through. And they, Some of us kind of got an idea of what that's like, the gospel. When you ask a a preacher what is the gospel, they'll usually take you to 1st Corinthians, where Paul said, I gave you what I I got, you know, the gospel is death, burial, and resurrection. You know what's wrong with that definition? Can you find that for me, Jordan, in 1st Corinthians? Is it 15? You know what's wrong with defining the gospel as death, burial, and resurrection? It leaves out the single most important thing that makes the rest of it meaningful. What was it? I, I gave you what I got, how that. You will, go ahead, read it for me. I'm declaring to you, I'm exposing to you, I'm outlining for you, I'm opening up to you the gospel, which I, preached unto you. which I had preached unto you, which I preached unto you. And what is it? Which also you have received, and where you stand? You received it, and if you're standing, you're standing in the gospel that I am declaring unto you. How that? Go ahead. You're saved by this gospel, but only if you keep in memory what I preached to you. What had he preached to them? The gospel, which he is about to explain a little bit. Go ahead.
0: Unless he had believed in
1: name. and if if you don't continue in The gospel, what I I preach to you, you believed in vain. What you know and, and your actions based on what you know will come to nothing. That's what in vain means. How many of you want your life to come to nothing? I at least want to have a little bit of good to offer up to him when I stand before him. I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. received, How that
0: Christ died for our sins according to his compassion.
1: Yeah. Hold on. (laughs) Is that death? Is he talking about death? Or is he talking about Christ? How that Christ died and was buried and rose again the third day according to scripture. Did I get that right? That's a miracle. I've had a number of strokes that have seriously affected my gourd up here. So the gospel isn't the death, burial, and resurrection. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If it weren't for Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection are meaningless however you want to define it. So when we preachers tell you that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection, we better not leave out the only important part of it. It's how that Christ died. The emphasis is on who Christ is. Now to demonstrate that, turn... Back into 1 Corinthians 2. And Jordan, if you don't mind, why don't you come and grab a chair? Come up here and let me expose you to the whole universe. So if you make a mistake, I can hide behind it. No, well, the right hand has got my Bible, so you better be on the left. 1 Corinthians 2, start at verse 1. Are you paying attention? Okay, if if you quit, I'll tell a joke. And my wife will promise you that you'll groan. <laughs> because it's a dad joke. And you know, dad jokes are 50, and 60 years old. When they first heard it from their dad. Or heard it from his dad. You know, so old jokes are... So Stay with me here and pretend like you're with it, really with me in it, okay? First Corinthians 2.1.
0: And I, brethren, when I came to you...
1: Now, wait, is this the same group that he was talking to about the gospel in the 50... Okay, same group. This, this is how it began. When I came to you, I came without something. So if you think you've got to have excellency of speech and wisdom to preach the gospel, you're wrong. You can just be a fisherman. Not even a good one at that. Had to take the word of God to get him a catch. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Declaring unto you the testimony of God.
1: Okay, hold it. Yeah, but... This is him telling about his preaching, right? His preaching consisted of declaring what? Now, so you don't misunderstand. The testimony of God is not what we say about him. That's our testimony about God. The testimony of God is God's own testimony about himself. And that's what Paul preached when he went to Corinth. He left behind him all of his academic abilities. And he was one of the most well-educated men on the face of the earth at that time. He said, I set that aside. I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, but I came declaring unto you what God has to say about Himself. You see it? it, it gets, it's even better as we go. Go ahead. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. What a statement! He says, I decided to ignore everything else I know. In fact, I determined that when I came to Corinth, there was only one thing I was going to know. I wasn't going to know anything else. I determined not to know anything among you except for one thing. What was that? Are we paying attention over here? That's a great idea.
0: I can give them this view. I can yell louder.
1: If you have a microphone, it's more effective when you yell loud. That's, you know that's the way good preachers do it, you know. You know, I learned a long time ago, if you're in a, in a service and you're preaching, and one of the young ones, real, small children, starts getting really rowdy and loud. Don't try to get louder. Get softer. That'll make everybody listen harder to you and ignore. (laughs) Doesn't it work? Don't you pay better attention when the preacher whispers? You know why we shout? We're making up for not having something worth hearing. I'm sorry. That's okay declaring unto you the testimony of God and I determine not to know anything among you save what?
0: Jesus Christ
1: and Him crucified. How many of you believe that the Scripture is God's Word? I believe it more now than I ever have and the more I study it the more convinced I am that the Spirit of God moved on certain individuals and told them what to write. Chose the very words they used. And you know something else? I believe I'm fully convinced of this. You don't. You don't have to. You can be lost if you want. Or you <laughs> see, that was a joke because I was getting a sense I'm losing you. There are two words in this statement that seemed to me so long ago to be extraneous. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ crucified. Doesn't that make sense? That phrase is used in scripture in other passages. But the Lord stuck two extra words in there. And I don't for a moment believe that he didn't intend those two words to be there. And that he intends those two words to make a difference in how we understand what is said. You know, the crucifixion was just another execution had it not been for who it was that was crucified. There was a guy crucified on one side and a guy crucified on the other side. And crucifixion was a Roman execution method, and well-practiced. They didn't have to stop and think, well, how are we going to do this to this guy? They had it down pat. They'd done it so many times. So, Paul determined to limit his knowledge, and he knew a lot. But he determined that when he went to Corinth... Probably at that time the sin capital of the world. That he was not going to know anything. He was not going to expound anything. Except for Jesus Christ. And him. Crucified. How many of you see now that the emphasis. Is not on the crucifixion. The emphasis is on who. It is that was crucified,
0: you see that, and to demonstrate that he goes on, and I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and how many, in much how, how
1: many times we see that in the pulpit these days? Only when you get the youngster up there for his first time. Weakness and fear. Sometimes that's obvious, you know. I felt weakness and fear when I was already a well-established minister when they asked me to come preach to the general board. You know, this is not an audience you can goof up in front of. These are the guys who hold your life in their hands, you know. Yeah. I was with you in weakness and in fear and...
0: And in much trembling.
1: Much trembling. You know, there's something about the message of who Jesus really is. That should cause us to be careful not to deviate from the facts of it. Go ahead.
0: And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom.
1: How many of you know that Paul knew those enticing words of man's wisdom? He had been educated by the greatest teacher on earth, Gamaliel. And he was classically educated beyond things that Gamaliel could ever teach. He was born a Roman citizen. And he had the best education that the world could obtain. And from there, he went on to the best education that Judaism could give, a Pharisee of the Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. Status higher than almost anybody else on the earth. And he said, but I gave that up. I didn't use the philosophy that I'd learned. I didn't use all of the vocabulary I'd learned because I had determined I was only going to know one thing. That's all. Go ahead
0: but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power.
1: Now, some people like to say that what this means is that whatever it was that Paul preached, it was accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles. That's what they want you to believe that means, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. There's a big problem with that, textually, because that's not at all the intent of the Greek text there in 1 Corinthians 2. He said, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He's telling you what he was preaching. That his subject was the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And so you don't get confused. Let me just... Put it out straight. Jesus Christ is the demonstration of the Spirit. And he is the demonstration of the power. <clears throat> he is the rehearsal, if you will, the, the declaring of God to mankind. So he's not talking about signs, wonders, and miracles. I'm not saying there weren't those things. But that was not his subject. And that wasn't what accompanied his subject. He's telling you the content of his message was who the demonstration of the Spirit and of power is. Jesus Christ
0: and him crucified. Go on. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. See, that's what he wanted. Now,
1: I'm not going to go into it tonight, but I will tell you briefly that faith is not hope so. And faith is not believed so hard enough that something has to happen. Faith is knowing who Jesus really is so that you can act in harmony with him. That's believing faith plus works is believing, right? So the knowledge of the deity and humanity of Jesus Christ That's what faith is. That enables you to discern what He intends to do so that you have the ability to act in harmony with Him. And acting in harmony with Him is believing. Not acting in harmony with Him is dead. Faith without works. Knowing Him without obeying Him Is death. How many of you know where the passage is? Is it in Second Thessalonians where Paul wrote about the day when he comes back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on all them who what know not God and obey not the gospel? and now we're still coming to what the gospel is in detail in just a minute go on but in the power of god in the your faith your knowledge of god must not stand in book learning your knowledge of god must not arise out of reasoning and philosophy it's got to arise from what the power of god from the power of God. Now, I assure you, you can't bring me a box that has the power of God in it. Okay. You can't point to a book, not even the scripture, that is the power of God. If you want to point to the power of God, you've got to get in range so that you can point to Jesus Christ because He is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. Okay,
0: go on. How be it we speak wisdom among them that are perfect.
1: Uh, Nevertheless, how
0: be it, what I
1: say is wisdom. What I'm telling you. Now, don't think that wisdom is some kind of spiritual mastery. It's simply perceiving people and events in your life from God's point of view. That's wisdom. Being able to know how God thinks of this. What God thinks of that. How the it seems to the Lord. How I many you know there are a lot of A people that men think are great that God doesn't care about very much because of the corruption in their souls. You know, there were false prophets. Have you ever wondered how a false prophet managed to survive his first month? When the law said kill him. And yet some of them lived years and years and years and decades. And decades without prophecies coming true, without pointing people to who God is, okay? But there is wisdom in the gospel. It is demonstrating, it is revealing what God thinks about himself. Go ahead. Yet not the wisdom of this world, not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world which come to naught. Did I get that right? I feel good when I
0: get it right. Go ahead. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Uh,
1: There's an overlooked word. We speak the wisdom of God. Not We speak some of God's wisdom. Some of you know the scripture enough you should know this. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. Paul's telling you what he preached to the Corinthians. We preach the wisdom of God in a mystery. Oh, and by the way, the mystery is defined in the Scripture. The mystery of God. Even Christ. Christ is the mystery. You see, when we get to Romans 1, the Godhead is not a mystery anymore. Even His eternal... Power and Godhead are clearly seen being understood by just looking at what he made you know try as hard as I might I'm never going to see three well who knows what will happen with the eyes but there's never going to be three of you now me I got a good start on the second one but there'll never be two of me. There'll never be two of you. And we think that God is three? When he made us in their image? No. Okay, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Even the I hid- promise will be done by midnight. Even the hidden wisdom. It's hidden wisdom. The wisdom that Paul declared
0: to the Corinthians was hidden wisdom. Go on. Which God ordained before the world unto our glory.
1: What is our glory? Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Neither let the wise man glory in his wisdom. Nor let the the strong man glory in his strength. But he that glorieth, let him glory in this. What is it? that he got elected to a high office in the church. Or that he gets invited to preach conferences. Or that he has tithe payers who really have a big number in on their check. No. What is our glory? That we know and what? Understand him that he is the Lord which does what? Exercises loving kindness, judgment, and justice in the high heavens.
0: <laughs>
1: in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Where is that in Jeremiah? 9:23 and 24? Yeah. And this mystery, this hidden wisdom, was ordained before there was a world for our glory. That's right. Now, hey, it wasn't that you're going to speak with tongues and, and see miracles and, and do great things. That's not our glory. Our glory is that we know and understand him. That's it. Go ahead. Which none of the princes of this world uh-huh. knew. What didn't they know? The, the, the princes of this world did not know this mystery. It was kept secret from them. It was hidden wisdom to the princes of this world.
0: For had they known it...
1: Had they known this hidden wisdom, this secret, if you will, if they had known this... They would not have crucified Him, the Lord of glory. Now do you see that, and Him? I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ, and Him crucified. If the princes of this world had known who the Him was, they would never have crucified Him. Do you realize that Satan doesn't have a fight with God? He has a fight with you. You believe in one God? You do well. Devils also believe. The difference is they tremble. Because they know what it means. And so you never never let the devil convince you that he is anything more than a tool in the hands of the Almighty God. You can't find Satan sassing at God. He had the perfect opportunity. Jesse, he snuck in with his sons of God. And the Lord said, Whence cometh thou, Satan? That was the perfect opportunity for him. He said, none of your business. Who do you think you are? But he gave an honest answer. Right? He has a problem with you. You, he's got a chance of defeating. He has no no possibility of even getting God to move over a half inch on the throne. Well, praise the Lord. Had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now, this was the secret. The mystery, the hidden wisdom was that Jesus Christ is, in fact, a Lord of glory. The Lord of glory. So don't let anybody tell you there's another one. You know, In fact, Jesus Christ is so narrow-minded about it. In the book of Revelation, he calls himself the first and last, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning of the creation of God. And he even goes so far as to say the Almighty. Now, I'll tell you, if I were the Father person or the Holy Ghost person, I'd have a fuss about that. Say, wait a minute. You're not the Almighty. You're one of three. How nonsensical is that? Have three Almighties. No, you might have a one third mighty, a one third mighty, and a one third mighty. Put it all together, it's Almighty. But no, He's narrow minded about that, who He is. And the good news that. Uh, Romans Romans 1 we'll start there and we'll end up in Romans 16 27 but I promise not to go through every verse not even I can do that in a month Romans, Romans chapter 1 yeah we'll start at the beginning first 3 verses are y'all still awake out there if you aren't you you don't snore i can testify <laughs>
0: Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to oh, be an apostle. Oh, oh, wait, wait,
1: Who do you know today that would ever start their letter without saying, Cliff Reed out, the chairman of the Apostolic Leadership Institute, which actually I'm not anymore. I'm chairman emeritus. <laughs> yeah, what's he start with? He starts with the highest title, the highest office that a Christian can have. He that is greatest among you shall be the servant of all. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle. In other words, an apostle is a work he does. But what he is, is a servant of God. No higher position can be had among human beings or angels than being a servant of God. I'm getting sidetracked. What time is it? Don't answer. You know what it means when the preacher looks at his watch? You know what it means. Nothing. And you know what it means when he says, in closing is you've still got time for a 10-minute nap. <laughs> no. i sorry.
0: Go ahead. Separated unto the gospel of God.
1: Oh, if that were only true with us today, that we were servants of the Lord and called to whatever role in ministry and service that he gives to us, that we would be separated from the rest. Separated what?
0: Unto the gospel of God.
1: I was separated. To the gospel of God. That means I left. The rest. Out. Because I was separated. When he. Called me to be an apostle. He took me out. Of a circumstance. In which there were other things. Than the gospel of God. Are you getting this? Now, am I making this up or is this actually what Scripture's saying? Now, if you're smart, you'll say, oh, that's what the Scripture says, Brother Read out. Because <laughs> I can be mean. I know you don't believe that. Well, you do. <laughs> go, go ahead.
0: Which he had promised a form.
1: What, what, what had God promised before? The gospel of God. I was separated. Unto the gospel of God. Which he. God. Had promised before.
0: Right? Go ahead. By his prophets. By his prophets. In the holy scriptures.
1: In the holy scriptures.
0: Concerning his son.
1: Stop. The gospel of God. Concerns. His son. It doesn't concern you. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the church. It's not about salvation. It's about his son. The gospel. The good news. Is about the son. Are you there? Say it. Is that, is that what Romans 1.3 says? Yes, yes. Concerning his son Jesus Christ. Which was?
0: Our Lord, Which was made of the seed of David. According to the flesh.
1: This was a, a scripture. That those ministers. Who were starting to believe and teach. That Jesus Christ. Had no biological relationship. To human beings. That he was 100% divine. Flesh. They missed this. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, which was made of the seed of the woman, the seed of David, according to the flesh. You know, one of the things this tells you is that Jesus Christ was not just a man. The flesh, yes. Made of the seed of David, just as prophesied, as promised in the scriptures. That good news that was prophesied, the gospel of God, which was promised and prophesied in the holy scriptures. Concerning his son, which was made of the seed of David, according to the flesh. Go on.
0: And declared to be the son of God with power.
1: And declared to be the son of God with power.
0: According to the spirit of holiness.
1: According to the spirit of holiness. By by the
0: resurrection from the dead.
1: The resurrection from the dead. You know what that's telling you? What, What does that really say? The son that was made of the seed of David. Which was the word become flesh. God became the chromosomes that the seed of the woman lacked. And by doing that, made a conception in the womb of Mary. And the child that was born, that holy thing which was born of her, was of the Holy Ghost. Because her egg cell was not going to become a child by itself. So the Word became flesh and took the seed of David... Passed through the generations into the seed of the woman Mary, and he became a human being. That's good news. And the next time you wonder, where is God? You remember the gospel. He became a man and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth are there isn't it now that's the definition of the gospel yes he died yes he was buried yes he rose again and that's a wonderful lesson to learn and to know But that is not the gospel. The gospel is who did that? Who was crucified? Who rose from the grave? Who was buried and who rose from the grave? That's what the gospel is. Now, I don't think I finished with that passage yet. He was declared to be the Son of God with power. According to what? The Spirit of Holiness. How many of you have really studied the Gospels and found his failure? Where he got it wrong? Where he messed up? I thought I had it one time, Brother Thorson. When, as they did every year, his family went to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast. And they all went home, and they got a whole day away before they discovered that Jesus wasn't with them. Isn't that interesting? You go to worship God, and you manage to leave there and leave him behind. And not even know about it. They went looking for him, and what did he say? Where was he found? In the temple, doing what? He was seated. In the midst of the doctors of the law. Now that doesn't mean much to us. But in the temple. When the priests And the Levites. And the Pharisees. And all the bigwigs gathered. For for lessons to be taught. They set the teacher. In the chair. (laughs) And he was just 12 years old. And they were astonished at his understanding and his wisdom. How he asked and answered questions. And, of course, they found him there. And what did they do? His mother said, why did you do this to us? What would I do? Well, you didn't, you know, stay close. And you let us get out of Jerusalem a whole day's journey without you being there. And he answered to the one person on earth who was most sure who his father was. He said, Know you not that I must be about my father's business? How is it that you sought me? Didn't you know? Don't you understand? That I must be about my father's business. What was he talking about? I've got to be here teaching. I've got to be here pouring out the truth of the kingdom. That's my job. I am giving them God's testimony about himself. I'm demonstrating the God no man's ever seen. I am rehearsing him in the sight of the big wigs. I am the image of the invisible God. I'm the one in whom dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I must be doing what I was doing. And then he quit doing it and went home with them. I thought, you know, well, if he, was, if he must be doing that, and he, he, he quit and went home with his mother and stepdad, if you forgive me inserting that. Was that what he must do? Yeah, because I'll give you a secret that's not a part of this message. But the father's business is obedience to the authorities above you. That's the father's business. You being obedient to the authorities God has put above you in life. And so when his mom said, you got to come home with us, no problem, mom. That's the father's business. Now, if you're not giving me orders, I'll be back here. <laughs> 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 when the <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. All right, now we're going to skip ahead because I've Just so you don't feel bad, for me, it's 1117. Okay. So since I'm already there, I'll help you catch up. (laughs) Romans 16. Starting at verse 27. I'll go up a little more. Twenty-five. Now to him. Not them. Stay with me. Now to him.
0: Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel.
1: Okay, listen up. You don't have the power to establish yourself. Nothing you do is gonna do it. Nothing you do is going to establish you. But he has the power to establish you. And I'll tell you, if he speaks to you and says be a frog, you know what's going to happen? Yeah, ribbit. You're going to turn green, and you're going to squat, and you're going to look funny and you're going to sound worse. You know. And you might hop around. If he says be a frog, Because his word makes things happen. Now to him. That is a power to establish you. According to my gospel. According to my gospel. I want the gospel to be my gospel. I want to have possession of it. I want to own it. I want it to be a part of me. Not just me a hearer of it. I want to integrate it into my thinking. I want to integrate it into my being. I want it to be the subject of my talk. Okay, go ahead. He that is a power to establish you according to my gospel. And the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now, the word and there is kahi in the Greek. And it is often, often translated Even. In this case, Paul is telling you what his gospel is. My gospel and the preaching of.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: No. No. That's not true. It's not the preaching of Jesus Christ. There is so much preaching of Jesus Christ that goes on in this world. That is meaningless, empty, vain, because it's not the gospel. According to my gospel, even the preaching of Jesus Christ,
0: according to the revelation of the mystery,
1: not all preaching of Jesus Christ is according to the revelation of the mystery. See, that hidden wisdom, that mystery which was hidden, is no longer hidden. You find that back in Romans 1. That which may be known of God has been revealed. That's what makes us all without excuse. According to the revelation of the mystery it's the preaching of who Jesus really is that's the gospel who Jesus really is that God is not way out there God is with us Great,
0: according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began yeah, it was kept secret If the princes of
1: the world had known... Did you ever wonder why the Lord told the devils keep quiet? Don't tell. We know you who you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, shh. Don't tell. You know why? Somebody had to crucify him. Now, none of those that encountered him would have anything to do with crucify him. They wouldn't do it. They were the ones that begged him not to send him to the pit. They knew who he was, and he silenced them. Of course, they didn't know until they encountered him. When they encountered him, what are we to do with you? We know you who you are. Shh, don't tell. It's not the job of angels or devils to preach the gospel. It's not the job of angels to preach the gospel. It's not the job of devils to preach the gospel. It's up to us. To whom he said, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. Okay, go ahead.
0: But now is made manifest. Ah, what is made manifest?
1: The mystery which was kept secret since when? <laughs> yeah. But now it's made manifest. What does that made manifest mean? What does manifest mean? Actually, the, the Greek word is very specific. Made visible. In other words, you have to be blind or keep your eyes shut to miss it. That's right. Made manifest. But now, it was kept secret. Satan didn't know about it until too late. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets by the scriptures of the prophets. They, you know, the scriptures of the prophets were there. They were there. They were written. God's people had them. Some who weren't God's people had them. Some who had him that weren't God's people, became God's people. Like an Ethiopian eunuch.
0: When he found out who Christ was. Go ahead. According to the commandment of the everlasting God.
1: God commanded something. What did he command? Yeah, I'm, I'm making it hard. The secret. That which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. And by... The commandment of the everlasting God made believed, made known known to America, to... Now that doesn't talk about political boundaries, but that's every ethnicity. Every tribe, every family group, this thing, this hidden wisdom, this gospel, which was kept secret, even though in the scriptures the prophets declared, made known, written, it was kept secret until this time, and God commanded that it be made manifest, made known To all nations. Why? For the
0: obedience of faith.
1: For the obedience of faith. This is critically important. Do I have till 9? Anybody give me till 9.15? I got a 9.15. Who'll give me a 9.30? I'm looking for a 10 o'clock, Judah. Yeah, thank you for your hand up. Thank you. I keep this up. You'll find stones to throw. And if their aim is not good, you're in trouble.
0: I'll shield
1: you. You'll shield me. You don't have to. I'll be hiding behind you. I'll, I'll set you forth first. <laughs> yeah. The obedience of faith. Not all obedience is of faith. You know, it's possible for you to get baptized in Jesus' name and just get wet. Do you know it's possible to speak in tongues and not have your life changed? It's, it's not the works that save us. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not going to be saved without repenting. You're not going to get saved without being baptized in Jesus' name. And that means going under the water. And you're not going to be saved without receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that will be accompanied by speaking a language you don't know. But you can do all of that and not be saved. Because those things don't save. There's only one Savior and it's not the plan of salvation. The Savior is Jesus Christ. And you know, Brother Thorson, when the Lord caught me up before him. And I was kneeling there at his knee. He said, he made it known to me that nothing I'd ever done and nothing I'd ever said contributed to me being there. That was hard. Now, I, it was only hard after I started thinking about it because I want to take some credit for being saved. You know, now Jesus and me, we're co-saviors. He could have never got it done without my help. Isn't that what we are taught? You do this, you do that, you do that, you're going to be saved. If you don't do that, you're going to be lost. Yeah, but they don't tell you. You can do all that and be lost. Because that's not what saves you. It's your obedience that results from your knowing Him. When you know... That Jesus Christ is the one everlasting, absolute, omnipresent, omniscient, almighty, sovereign God manifested as a human being. When you know that, your obedience is worth something. It's the obedience that is caused by, motivated by, your knowledge of Him. Praise the Lord. Do you see? I didn't make it up. It's there. So when I tell you, or when some other preacher tells you that the truth of who Jesus is ought to be the priority in our teaching, in our preaching, in our witnessing, they're telling you the fact. It ought to be the message we give to the world. You know, I had so many object to the teaching. They said no repentance is first. I said to whom do they repent? Well to God. Which one? There are 44 gods who are named in the scriptures. 44. And none of them are God. But you know every religion believes its God is God. You know, Brother Urshan told the story when he had his historic meeting with Yasser Arafat in Palestinian territory. How Arafat took him by the arm. He put his right hand under Brother Urshan's arm and led him out to the crowd. And that putting his hand under Brother Urshan's arm and taking him out was... A sign to the people, don't kill this man. Don't kill this man. And that's how we got our, one of the things that helped us get our church registered and recognized in Palestinian territories. But Arafat, Brother Urshan told the story, he said the last thing he told me before he took me out before the crowd was Your God is my God. He says, whatever that meant. Well, of course, we won this Pentecostal hearing that. Oh, he's acknowledging Jesus. No, he wasn't. He was saying, whether you know it or not, Allah is your God. Because your God is mine. Because they believe that Allah is the God. But there is no parallel between Allah and the God of the Scripture. They are contradictory one to the other. One says it's okay to kill your enemies. The other one says love them. Well, I love them dead. (laughs) I'm going to love you to death. Here, have my favorite rock. Well, which God? To which God do you repent? Well, the sad story is most people repent To the God of their imagination. They repent to a God who's going to overlook their favorite sin as long as they help clean up the other ones. They might be worshiping a God who is one of three persons or one of two persons. Or they might be worshiping a God who is not all-knowing. They might be worshiping a God who they think was stunned when Adam sinned and saying, oh my, what do I do now? That God doesn't exist. God has revealed himself. God has revealed himself. He's made himself known And understood. And it's that revelation of him. That truth of him. That is the good news. You don't have to imagine. What God's like. He's told you what he's like. He's demonstrated what he's like. And I'll tell you. When I was at the Lord's knee. And that experience he gave me. I was surrounded by an unconscious countable multitude of people and I didn't care who it was. Mao Zedong could have been kneeling right there beside me and it would have been just fine with me because none of us mattered. But It was him. He mattered and I got to be there and it was his choice. Praise the Lord. So, the priority of the oneness. Next time you have an opportunity to witness, like Brother Thorson had in the shop, don't deal with their sin problem. Don't try to correct that they're going to the wrong church or they believe the wrong things or that their lifestyle is messed up. They already know that. I had a man, I, I, I told Brother Thorson and Brother Fernando earlier today, I had a man that wrote me a question through allexperts.com back in the day. And his question was, why do I feel condemned when I leave Mass? You know, he goes to church, goes faithfully to church, Catholic family, Hispanic family of five. They, they go to church every Sunday. He says, why do I feel condemned when I leave Mass? And my answer, the the opening answer was because you were condemned when you went there and they didn't have anything that could fix that. So you leave with the same condemnation you came in with. And then I explained why they didn't have what he needed. And I gave him the truth of who Jesus is. And the result of that is he and his family came to church, heard Brother Michael Smith preach right out of my oneness message. The same message that he had taught his family the Saturday night before. The same page in the lesson. And they went up. They repented before the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because I didn't fool around with standards of righteousness. I didn't fool around condemning the sin of their life. I just told them who Jesus is. Brother Smith just told them who Jesus is. And when they saw it, things changed inside. And it was good news that God doesn't have that sword of judgment just waiting for you to goof up so he can send a punishment upon you. You know, have any of you, when you got sick, ever wondered what you did wrong? I've done it more than you have because I've been sicker than you have (laughs) Why me, Lord? The answer is, why not you? What makes you so high and holy that if I would be crucified that you think you should get off scot-free? You know? No. You said, but I taught you lessons through everything you've suffered. You know, what did it teach me to get crucified? Well, I got to confess, it didn't teach you anything. But it did teach me something that you who had the Spirit of Holiness, who exhibited the Spirit of Holiness, who demonstrated the Spirit of Holiness, were raised up to prove who you really are. All right, amen. Go ahead and stand, please. Brother Thorson, you come while I close. My closings don't take 10 minutes, never that short. Leading up to my closing may take 10 minutes, but my closing will be very short. The gospel is the truth about who Jesus is. I'll summarize it for you. God is one. God is a spirit, not three spirits. God is a spirit, and he became a human being And in that child of Mary, who was the word become flesh, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that's good news. And he demonstrated his heart. He demonstrated his character. He demonstrated what he thinks of you. often thought maybe you have if you have I want you to raise your hand if you've thought this that the price he paid was excessive for me well the good news about that part is he didn't pay for you he paid for what he can make out of you he paid for what he's gonna turn you into if you obey the gospel if you obey the faith the knowledge of God he'll make you into a son of God and that's worth the price amen pastor you can know
0: you can know you can know can walk